2: And welcome back to another episode of Evil Man. I'm going to get each and every one of you sooner or later. Oh, is that the Crypt Keeper? That's sort of maybe, and also Mr. Burns. I have no idea. Oh, I heard, I heard Kermit.
1: <laughs> Wasn't that Kermit Piggy? Piggy.
3: <laughs> I feel like it can would. You do
2: p- Piggy?
1: Kermit Frog.
3: That's pretty good.
1: Kermit, Kermit, Hiya Oh
3: yeah! Oh Hi-ya! Yeah. James, what's your what's your <laughs> Muppet? <clears throat> I can do Kermit too. I mean, everyone can. Okay. Kermit the Frog.
1: Whoa! I feel like Jim Henson Jr. is right here with us, right? Yeah, now. and that's the only Brian one. Henson. Brian ah, Henson.
3: You his know son, Jim Henson. Well,
1: his son. Because when name? Jim Henson died, his son took over Kermit, and it definitely didn't sound usual. Uh, it's actually yeah. called Brian Henson's Workshop. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I just flick a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about Jim and Brian Henson. I know Hi,
2: I'm Kermit the Frog. <laughs> what? I'm the same frog.
1: So what? <laughs> And I'm the new Miss Piggy. (laughs) Um, But enough about the glorious world of the Muppets that Jim Henson
3: bequeathed to us. Because we have a a guest here, don't we, this week? We do, and I'm excited to have her here. Uh, I hope you guys are too. Ebony Rosen.
4: I'm just trying to remember how Fozzie sounds, so I could have really come in hot, but I can't remember.
0: Wagga Wagga.
1: Oh yeah, waka (laughs) waka (laughs) waka! Thrilled to be here, guys. (laughs) Can I say, Ebony?
3: It's it's great to have you back.
1: Or you've done it before. Yeah, once
3: when Chris was away.
1: I'm just I'm um, I'm nervous because this is the first Evil Man episode that has featured live and in person a real life husband and wife.
2: Live and direct.
4: I hope the marriage survives the recording.
1: Yeah, well, if it doesn't, we can always go back and uh,
3: punch in uh, an update. Yeah, because this podcast, you know, we're known for our um, fierce debates yes. and um, heated discussions. So, Ebony, I hope we don't get on the wrong side of a, uh, you know, a heated. I'm terrified. I'm because... honestly
4: terrified. I'm, I mean, I mean, it's an honor to be here. I'm nervous and I'm worried for the marriage. It's it's a it's a new marriage. Where what are we? Two months in. Yeah, anything could go wrong.
2: Okay, let's get started. What part of the war do you like, and what part of the war do you not like? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can we get a, a little review two months into uh, married life from? His and
3: her point of view. <laughs> <laughs> this actually, Mike, brilliant. This could be a great viral yeah. clip. What you're setting up right yeah. now. Yeah. Remember the newlywed game? Wait, did you ever see that uh, game show?
4: Yeah, and you had to write down a name, information that I you would both love to, to be to on
1: know that. that.
4: Yeah. You? Yeah. Like,
3: what's her favorite song?
1: And the What's guy your sweating? husband's
2: favorite part of your body? What <laughs> 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 they supposed to?
4: Fingers.
2: <laughs> Easy. Her teeth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he loves him I remember always there would be a question like, what's the craziest thing he's ever said while making whoopee? They always use yes. the phrase making whoopee. Yeah, I Which
4: love mean, that. I found
3: it uncomfortable love, even as a child. Love connection with Chuck Woolery also used to always call it making whoopee. Making I, whoopee. Yeah. I would love to bring you that, know, that, that back. Is that?
4: What do you, do you think the whoopee cushion came before or after that term and how those things get kind of conflated? Oh God. <laughs>
3: That's
1: a great point.
4: Yeah, yeah it was yeah,
3: confusing like as Chuck, a kid. Chuck Woolery's having <laughs> sex with some woman in the 90s and he farts. He's like, oh,
2: guess I made a little whoopee myself. <laughs> or maybe when whoopee cushions first came out, men tried to have sex with them. You <laughs> better pie. really stretch the hole out. <laughs> <laughs> I need a new whoopee cushion. Filled. This I way. fucked the shit out of this one. <laughs> Every time he's about to get his dick in it, it's like... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, another whoopee cushion filled. Yeah. Well, actually, (laughs) if I was on Love Connection, I'd be like, what kind of fucking whoopee are we talking about here?
3: Michael, uh, what you're describing makes me think of a fleshlight and perhaps whoopee cushions with the original fleshlights. Yeah, you fill it up, uh, you sit on
1: it,
2: and it makes a funny sound.
4: (laughs) And a real mess.
2: (laughs) You don't sit on a fleshlight. That's the dildo you're thinking of.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, what's what's the... What's been the highlight of married life so far? Well, James I will Ebony? say,
3: uh, Ebony is very busy um, at her, her job. Mm-hmm. She's making a wow, show. James, wow! So we haven't wow, had a chance wow, to wow, even wow, go wow. anywhere or do anything fun Whoa, yet. So he's we kind of got
1: that you're yeah. too career folks. <laughs> it's going really
3: bad. <laughs> He's saying that he feels he feels neglected. I have not, you know, Ebony's working all day, so I just do my tennis lessons. I go to the gym, uh, you know. I keep in like incredible he loves shape. Loves his tennis instructor. Don't know. you have? A you m- go to yeah. your lunches. You, <laughs> say? you, you gossip. Great. I gossip with my friends. I drink uh, <laughs> prosecco at lunch.
2: Don't you have like a massage every Wednesday? and Yeah, Friday? I know,
3: because Ebony's at work, so you and know what can of, I do?
2: You got and you're doing
4: that charity to help dogs <laughs> with dry skin.
3: Yeah, I have my dog <laughs> charities, you know.
1: And you're active in the PTA even though, and here's the funny thing, you two don't have a child.
3: No, that's right. Yeah, I'm I'm getting involved in all kinds of stuff as a married man when you have a working wife, frankly. Uh, Do
2: you think about having a child sometimes and just fucking up her career (laughs) so you can spend more time together?
3: Well, it's crossed my mind. Um,
2: That is how kids work, right? (laughs) Yes, yes.
3: But no... uh, we haven't had a chance to go away yet, but we are going to Mexico soon, so that'll be fun. So so it was kind of a oh. weird thing, because we had the wedding, and it was so fun, and it's... then you kind of, without getting to go immediately on a honeymoon, mm-hmm. you just go back to regular life. So that was like a <laughs> depressing couple weeks <laughs> after an amazing build-up that it's like, oh, I'm just doing a now stand-up you, show. From
1: what I remember about you right after the wedding, you... Wouldn't take the tux off for like about a week, right? You insisted on <laughs> wearing it around, whereas you, have any you sort of got back to business.
4: Oh yeah, I yeah. I rip my wedding dress off the second our vows were over, just yeah. breast exposed, sort of <laughs> running through the reception. But James, on the other hand, wouldn't take it off.
3: Well, I'm a little bit over, you know, the bride getting all this attention for her dress, and I thought it yeah. was high time the groom got a little attention for his suit. So well,
2: I, your tux I, was way. Prettier and more ornate than. It was, the
4: it was the beating.
2: To be perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah. Can I say something Camp about handcrafted? All of, and all there v- was a long train that Mike and I had to hold as we yeah. walked. <laughs>
4: a cape. We called it a cape. It was a train.
1: <laughs> Your bridesmaids and, in general, all of the the women at the wedding were dressed like so nicely. We'll say, James. Mm. Some of the fellows were phoning it
2: in.
3: Oh, Mike. Oh, wow. Burn. That's
1: what wow. I love. Did anyone at
2: the wetter, uh, wedding? wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from out east. We call them wetters. Eh? <laughs> I, I went to your wedding.
4: Got her pregnant. Now I got to get wedders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you take this guy to be the hubby? Do you no, take her to be the
2: wifey? <laughs> I can't remember. That's I wetters. personally tried to wear a suit. I, yeah, you look great. I, I got it Trapped? tailored. I think Mike looked great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this I the best I can do it. is I put it on my body, but I, I never fully feel like I'm actually pulling it off. But you look great. I didn't notice, but did any guy do that lazy thing where they put like a sort of super thin cashmere sweater over a checkered collared shirt? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The lazy man's dressing up.
4: I'm trying to think of who would have done that.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I read books look. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, who are the male
3: fashion icons of the wedding? I mean, I got to say, Chris looked great. Tom, <coughs> you. is, you know, he looked great. Tom had a sort of Miami Vice Tom style. had a Miami Vice. like. Yeah, yeah. And Chris, didn't you have yeah, kind you know, of a tan a suit, suit or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I got a summertime cool.
2: suit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who's that
1: author who wore white always? Tom... Wolf. Tom Wolf, who'd walk around in a white suit like a Panama hat. I never read a word he wrote. I just know that he, that was his style. Man, if someone... Well, all Toms
4: have to do it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If someone's like get up, like if they're a film like auteur, like the, or or any kind of like a writer, if they're, if they kind of have a get up that is like meticulously, you know. Like a look. Like a look that Ernest Hemingway. It's good product. Right? Like, if well, you see a film director and they have a giant witch's hat and a Doctor Who scarf blowing <laughs> over their shoulder, I gotta fucking watch their two-hour movie called Cedars in the Snow. <laughs> Cedars well, is in the snow. The chal- Cedars is in the dang snow. <laughs> I challenge My any Tim Burton. <laughs> any listener,
3: Google any fantasy author. They all look the exact same. I, I don't mean to be rude. They're all large men with beards and leather um, <laughs> duster jackets you yeah. know yes. what I'm talking about Yeah, and like a old timey leather hat like, a, like yeah. a leather fedora and a leather duster jacket they, l-
4: they love leather as a group in a way you wouldn't yeah. expect yeah. there's some different groups that love leather and that's the most surprising one I think Do
2: Do you imagine think you bumped into lovers. Neo 40 years later <laughs> he was morbidly obese yeah. and he had a white beard now that,
3: that guy has six books set in a kingdom
2: and a, also if you're a aspiring author or filmmaker listening to this right now get an affectation first before any semblance (laughs) of an idea that's what will sell you more than anything in my opinion
3: it would be cool i i find my i feel socially awkward sometimes and i think it would be cool to and go into into a social situation and you're doing a thing you're doing some affectation yeah i would honestly love to incorporate that into my and i would
2: people love to go love to the that. Tiff people never box. make
4: fun of it they love the energy yeah. people love kind of an older rotund man coming into a party in a leather duster starting every sentence with actually
2: <laughs> people yeah. love
4: and women especially love it
2: bell light box with me and just twirl some canes in the lobby yeah
4: i think that would be a recreational cane.
2: <laughs> my friend Rachel
4: used to date a guy who, who just carried around a recreational
2: cane Ask me if I need really? that cane I have do, do you need it? Yes actually
1: <laughs> <laughs> Was it the only Part of his affectation Like he didn't wear like a funny hat And like have a little mustache and stuff I can't
4: believe he just Left it at like a button down shirt jeans And then a recreational cane <laughs> I have was to it? assume it. Was of, it? just a, Like a guy my friend dated like 10 years ago <laughs> but it was, was he magic? I think in his mind, yes. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I feel like he would kind of hide to appear at a party, but he would have been there for a long time behind a couch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Once I've had enough Cheetos, I'll have enough courage to show them who I really
4: am. <laughs> Twirl his cane and emerge. My
2: affectation,
1: well, I think, is I own t- uh, two and maybe three pairs of pants. Is that it, Mike? But I need to. Uh, that's why I was going jeans shopping today. I realized yeah. I, I have, heard a lot about this. I don't, don't have enough jeans. Mike was texted. So did you go to Blue Notes at Sherway? <laughs> I went
3: nuts there. Yeah, Mike texted- I took an edible beforehand to really enjoy it. <laughs>
4: Started making cutoffs yeah. in the store.
3: <laughs> Mike texted me tonight and told me he was before the podcast. He was going jeans shopping, yeah. and I was like, "This is killer." For the pod, like we got to know how it went. Mikey, I love
2: that we're, we we th- we are fully emerged into the twenty twenties, aren't we? Men can talk about going jean shopping to other men. Yeah, yeah vibrant
3: it's a- masculinity. <laughs>
1: it's, it's,
2: it's okay
3: ma- for it's men. Vibrant
4: masculinity.
1: If
3: men shop till they drop, that's
1: fine.
4: What kind of what kind of wash were you looking for, Mike?
1: Similar to this dark blue. <laughs> I was looking at some <laughs> jeans that were too light and had like they were distressed, and they were like, I can't. Pull off a distressed, like ripped, oh god, pre-ripped no, jeans neither. thing, and uh, I don't want a light, a light pair of jeans.
4: So you're basically looking for jeans that are as close to a trouser as you can get. <laughs>
1: I guess. You know, Michael, so yeah, like a, like a
4: like a formal suit trouser in jean uh, form. Do you have I don't have any want jeans them, yeah. with
1: pleats <laughs> that aren't that aren't necessarily denim. <laughs> Dark crisp blue. <laughs> 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 do, do you have brown <laughs> jeans? <laughs>
4: sir, sir, Cotton. Cotton jeans. Maybe something with a matching sport coat. Um.
1: <laughs> Sir, do you
3: mean dress pants? No, no, no. No, no, I'm cool. I'm a
1: cool guy. I'm rock and roll. Yeah. You've seen the cover of Born in the USA? Well, something like that, but less so. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: Mike, and I. The cover of. What,
1: what the would cover... that guy's manager
4: wear? <laughs>
3: <laughs> the cover of Born in the
2: USA is irresponsible. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mike, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or bad but I think I might see with my own eyes why you were shopping for jeans. have you been staring at my crotch? From my vantage point, you can see yeah. Mike's crotch is worn out on his darn jeans. Yeah, yeah. So well, be Darn, what a pu- pun, because you darn a hole.
2: James, I'm going to be getting a lot of emails because of that <laughs> revelation. Let me guess what that worn out uh, patch in your crotch is from. Lap dances.
3: <laughs> Chris, no!
4: Making whoopee.
3: No, I got to... <laughs> I got a hole in these jeans too on the butt. So what? don't. What?
1: <laughs> I got a I got a hole in the front. You got a hole in the back. Put them together. We got a r- uh, real pair of jeans in trouble.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: oh. We are a pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Ebony, where do you shop for jeans?
4: Oh, um, all over. I'm a real jeans nomad. I'll take okay. my denim where I can get it.
2: Take my denim please. Take my
4: denim please. <laughs> <Oise>. Take my <laughs> denim pleats. <laughs> uh,
2: well, we hope you
3: find a good pair of jeans and Thank we should you. put it to our Discord. Yeah. Like
4: send where, send us your best well, jeans if you think free
3: would jeans hit Mike. if yeah. you work at a store or like yeah. <laughs> where Mike should Mike jeans. Where should Mike um go jean shopping and you yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah. People people are obsessed with Mike on there and this is a great, yeah. thing, great community building. I can't wait for a lot of
4: people to go Levi's. Well, yeah, oh, like, Levi's are good.
2: Yeah? <laughs> Does Mike know that he's genuinely the most fan favorite evil man? But host? I,
3: I, th- I think it's Mike's elusiveness that people are so drawn to him, almost like um, JD Salinger or something.
2: Or Bob, well, we're Dylan. way too open and vo- inviting and vulnerable. We sit there on the Discord with our legs spread wide open. Not a single hole in your jeans. <laughs> sing- wow.
4: Yeah, Mike really avoids. He does not avoids, but he doesn't really dip into dip his little toes in the Discord. Hey,
3: not really. Which is, not at is, all. Yeah, not at all. I, I guess peak being diplomatic.
4: Every now and
1: then I, I, you do I'm over the fence like Wilson in <laughs> Home
2: Improvement, uh, or like howdy, Bob Dylan in the uh,
4: artisanal wrought iron gates he makes now. <laughs> That's
2: what um. he's up to. Well, send us your ideas on what jeans Mike should wear. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cut fit. <laughs> I tried on some jeans that were way too skinny and like like form fitting and I thought I can't pull those off. I remember
3: when I first realized that tighter pants were good for men or yeah. fashionable for men, and it was confusing to me. Like when I was at like Twenty. I wore the widest baggy,
1: baggy yeah, jeans we like a raver baggy <laughs> yeah. jeans
2: yeah. era but it's baggy again now wow well
4: we found a pair of pants khaki pants in James's childhood home that <laughs> both of us and a third person could have fit inside of they were so baggy it was wild
1: were they mo- mod robes no it was cords no yeah,
4: yeah right were, it was they cords, cords. Wow. they were sort of a brown cord and they were they and were James some of the most, yeah. They were some of the most humiliating pants I've ever
2: seen. <laughs> yes, that's and true. They were fully beige khakis,
4: like no brown, like oh. a caramel brown cord, wide, wide.
3: Good like. God, yeah, yeah like, almost flared. <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on. I use, I remember that's pure Orangeville. I remember in Stitch high school thinking like tighter shirts and wider pants is good. That was what I thought was good.
2: That's yeah. the pyramid look:
1: wide base. Pants, yeah.
2: Chicks are attracted to you if it looks like your bottom half is in a pool. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and you wear that pointy triangle hat on your head all the time. It's <laughs> literally complete the
2: look. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I'd
4: love to see you all as teens. I feel like Mike looked the same as he does now.
1: I literally have had, my longest relationship in my life has been with my sideburns. <laughs> yeah. I've had them forever <laughs> and basically have worn the same, same style of shirt. Since I was but like Mike, 15.
3: Ja- Jackie Pirico went on record as saying the photo of you in high school holding a trombone is hot.
4: I gotta see this pic.
3: I think you have seen it online. I'll show it to you after.
1: But uh, I, I would argue with Jackie that it's not. <laughs> <laughs>
4: This is when you were in a straight-edge big brass band? Is that
1: accurate? I was in the Oshawa, uh, in my Oshawa high school uh, jazz band with my trombone, and I think I was wearing suspenders in the picture. It's
4: ska.
1: You were bringing some fresh ska energy to the Oshawa jazz band. Ebony, you
3: like ska too as a teen. I did like ska You and Mike probably would have had fun chatting.
1: I looked at, like, I was as pale as, like, an old picture of Eugene (laughs) O'Neill. Like, <laughs> like 90 pounds. And uh, yeah, wispy mustache and goatee.
3: Uh, Chris was like a cool guy as a teenager, smoked weed, skateboarded, liked <laughs> punk music. Am I wrong?
2: Yeah, but it still sounds embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong, but you
1: yeah. know. And were you a rave kid, um, a, a punk rocker, or jazz? <laughs>
4: Mike's desperate for it's it to be the last the one. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I was a little too young for it to be ravey. I feel like I was I was a little bit punk and a little bit ska. All right. <laughs> yeah. Ebony
3: sang, I believe, in a band, yeah, right?
4: I did.
1: What were
3: they called?
4: We never settled on a name. We kept it was one of those kind of high we kept getting new names. At one point it was called Leadcore. Wow. Um <laughs> <laughs> what? Led- like- like, I think just the construction company that was around Toronto, and we okay. were on our way to play at a high school and went, that's it now.
1: Not ButtCon?
4: No, but yeah, we should have been ButtCon. Actually, that would have held up. But we kept changing the name. I wish I could remember something. Didn't other names. you? The didn't Midnight you, Ramble. It had really embarrassing names.
3: Didn't you sing like a Save Ferris song or, or something? I thought you said. I don't
4: think we did a Save oh, Ferris okay. song. So it would have been a double cover. Maybe
3: that's my fantasy.
4: <laughs> maybe i mean i can do that later <laughs> you want to hear me sing come on eileen in a full ska regalia i'll do it <laughs> i'll get mike to back me up on the tr- on the
3: trombone <laughs> well
4: i did like that band though
3: i did too well i only know the covers
4: anyway yeah they did mm. another song about the
2: <laughs> damn Oh, that, that was kind that of like a... to a weird
4: flat zone. <laughs> but it was expecting. like
2: an episode of Newlywoods or whatever. Yeah. Newlywood yeah, game. That's
3: true. Well, before we take a break, uh, I just want to <laughs> mention. We
2: have to take a break now. I think we all, everyone needs yeah.
4: a bit of a reset after the ska hole we all went into. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Chris, I just wanted to mention you had a movie premiere this weekend. I mean, Huge. I guess it'll be a week ago when this airs, but congrats.
2: Thanks so much. Yeah, the movie's called Who's Your Father? It's written and directed by Jeremy Larder, and it stars me and Susan Kent, and it premiered two weeks ago in the Maritimes and this Saturday in Toronto, and Mm.
3: yeah, it's doing well. That's exciting. It was really Congrats, I can't wait to see it. Me too. Thanks. And Mike, this will air after it comes out, but you're... Album release parties coming out. You've got an album coming out? Album coming out. How do you think the album release went that is actually tomorrow for us right now?
1: It was great. Everything was going well until just near the very end. (laughs) (laughs) And then things went off the rails, and the police came. I did spend the night in a cell. (laughs) Um, I did soil myself in the cell during the night, but I didn't remember it because I was passed out. Um, But other than that, it was a beautiful night. And... um, um, uh, George Clooney came.
2: Wow, that is exciting. And Can I tell you something to future you right now before you go to jail tomorrow night? Mm-hmm. You'll always be free in your mind, man. They can't lock you up there.
1: Yeah, who's really in jail? Us in jail or are the people out in society? People in society, <laughs> people for, in sure. society for sure.
2: People <laughs> in society for sure. I just want to make.
4: I just think it deserves a little more context. What happened mm. is that uh, Mike couldn't find jeans before mm-hmm. the show, and he's in the middle <laughs> of performing, and then he sees his hero, George Clooney, walks in, yeah. and he gets so excited that f- crotch first, his jeans just split apart, <laughs> leaping off his body, revealing no underwear. It's a public yeah. indecency kind of situation. Um, and he kind of makes whoopee all over the place and has to go to jail. I, al- I also <laughs> like the idea that
3: tomorrow night at Mike's album release party, mm-hmm. he, he, you refuse to go on because you couldn't find new jeans for it. And you freak out and yeah. yell at everyone. I'm
1: in the dressing room and like the stage hand is like, you're on, Mr. Bellazzo. Like, and I'm I, like- I don't <laughs> have jeans, you bitch. <laughs> uh,
2: well, Let's go back to Mike's high school photo with the trombone. I wish you would. He looks like George Clooney in that photo.
4: I gotta get eyes on this pick. <laughs>
1: I'm salivating. Think?
2: I guess. George Clooney from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes Part 2. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Is he in that?
2: Yep. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. I'm IMDB Joe over here.
4: <laughs> James, are you scared I'm gonna leave you 14 Mike when I see him in this trombone? <laughs> I,
3: well, I am a little bit worried. I guess we'll see.
4: I guess we'll find out.
3: Is that something new that we need to worry about
1: that technology will advance to the point that? Um, our partners can leave us for people in the past or, or AI.
2: Well, you know how there's already that app that makes photos talk. So like people are making oh. photos of their grandpa from World War One talk to them. Is that real? I'm proud. I'm fighting for you, dear.
1: Um, <laughs> I believe with so they you can marry. Leave your wife for me uh, <laughs> to his granddaughter. <laughs> Grandpa, I'm proud you fought for our country yeah. and I'm
2: in love with you. <laughs> new technology can animate this photo of your great grandfather from World War 1 and then they yeah, they'd, hubba,
1: hubba. yeah. <laughs> who's
2: this? <laughs> Yowza.
1: Didn't Peter Jackson do that thing where he restored film from World War 1 and made it look like like he did with Get Back? Made them look like the soldiers look like they're like contemporary, but he also yeah. made them look like like just total hugs and at <laughs> well, he made he their enhanced t- army
2: fatigues way tighter. Yeah, on and he enhanced body. certain it's parts of their bodies, so yeah. all
1: those old soldiers are really packing heat. Yeah, have you ever? They
4: seen all have that new Pharrell bag. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you ever seen fan anime of horny werewolves?
1: Oh, of course.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too. So they really make these giant packages push against their <laughs> ripped jeans that they still wear when they transform into a werewolf. Anyways whatever i'm anyway. going off track but i picture this if only mike like could that. get those jeans those are durable <laughs> do you have werewolf jeans <laughs>
4: I you know them. the kind <laughs> that a werewolf would yeah.
2: tear. <laughs> I remember my for...
4: big werewolf dick won't rip through there's a joke if i years... turn into a werewolf
2: in these jeans would my dick look good
1: <laughs> years ago there's a joke I, i'll always remember graham wagner said it that we were talking about something i don't know if it was a sketch or something we we're talking about like a man turning into a werewolf Yeah, he was like in no movie do they ever show what would actually happen is like a man turning into a werewolf and he gets hairy and like the claws come out but he would also probably shit himself (laughs) 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 and if there was a horror movie showing it all they would have to show that as well
2: and it would be he's (laughs) shitting on a in his living room in American Werewolf in London (laughs) that beautiful nurse he dates comes home and sees dog shit all over the floor (laughs)
4: And he looks really ashamed in the corner. Yeah.
2: Did you do this? <laughs> did you do this? <laughs> to a werewolf. boy. his nose right in it. <laughs> I always love picturing Han Solo being like, Chewie, get in here. And pointing at the carpet where there's like wet shit on the carpet. <laughs> Chewie, did you do this? Um. Remember when you and Graham, speaking of like 20 years ago, did you, you did that joke where you showed the picture of Wolverine and it said Wolferoo. (laughs) (laughs) I always think of that. I always think of Wolverine as Wolfaroo. (laughs) Wolfaroo. I forget the context, but it's great. Beep,
3: beep. (laughs) Please check out our Patreon account. It's at patreon.com slash evil men. If you go, you get two bonus episodes a month. Um, You get to go in our Discord I'm uploading videos early, sometimes from episodes. We we do a lot to uh, to make it worth it for you. So please check it out, patreon.com slash evil men. Evil men
2: brought right to your door and delivered right into your hands. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Mike, anything? It's You can access it on your laptop
3: or tablet. Or phone. Or, or phone patreon.com slash evil men let really? us know if you have a tablet
4: really embarrassing mike forgot about phones
0: <sighs> let's
4: move on <laughs> beep
3: beep
0: <laughs> join us today during the
2: jeep celebration event right now get 20 percent below msrp for an average of 15,178
0: under msrp on the purchase of a 2023 jeep grand cherokee overland 4x e or summit 4x e
3: Evil man this week. Who did you choose?
4: I chose, it's a big boy in a small package. Napoleon yeah.
3: Bonaparte. Yes. Oh. Whoa. And vote I- for Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Ebony, Napoleon
4: you... Dynamite is the subject <laughs> of this episode. Was he evil? Just weird. Was he
1: evil or
3: just French? <laughs> or weird? Yes. We'll find out. And Ebony, you're, you're a, I would, I would go as far to say a history buff- you wrote a history book called What I Think Happened of funny history essays and you are a big Napoleon. He, he captures your interest.
4: I'm a Napoleon stan in a way that I recognize he has some evil stuff in his past. It's a standum that's uh, with some removal, but I love him. I'm very obsessed with Napoleon. I always have been.
2: Last time Ebony was on the show, I wasn't here. So I don't know if it's been covered yet. But we ha- have you guys brought up on this show ha- that Ebony is a brainiac? <laughs> uh,
3: I don't know. I From mean, the planet smart. <laughs> yeah. Ebony is a brainiac. Like, I mean, I, I keep, there's t- countless examples, but you know. I'm going to say it
2: on record. Mm. I'm both intimidated and afraid of Ebony.
4: Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris. That's just because of that time I beat you in karate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that wasn't even, well, you used your brain a bit. But. Yeah. But you're right, Only you to
4: control the robot. I thought.
2: <laughs> most <laughs> of the guests we have on
1: Evil Men are oh, extremely unintelligent. <laughs> yeah, you can walk all over Bulls. them. We can confuse them by making jokes. Dennis, or... Tim, Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I,
3: I've probably oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've probably played Scrabble against Evany twenty times, and I think I've won once. Oh. I have countless examples like this. That was
2: a humble brag, by the way. <laughs> I, won I won once won. against a genius. <laughs>
3: No, but you like playing a, s- a strategy or word game yeah. or something like that against Ebony. Forget it. Speaking of strategy, Napoleon Bonaparte was no. I
1: for can't his
4: believe I'm kind of walking into this compared to Napoleon and his hubristic downfall. I feel <laughs> good, quite worried.
2: <laughs> um, he
4: was a brilliant strategist.
1: But That's true, Mike. As yeah. s-
2: stanistically as he put it, <laughs> yeah. you keep him at arm's length. But there must be things that you identify w- with Napoleon <laughs> with yourself as well.
4: Yeah, I guess why I'm really here is to talk about how I am like him. Um.
1: Well,
2: always <laughs> and photograph. you also want Joaquin yeah. Phoenix to play you. I'm so
4: mad about that.
2: In your you're biopic.
1: Eith- <laughs> you either always photograph um, on a horseback where the horse is rearing in the yep. air or with your uh, right hand in your inside your blazer pocket or yeah. like inside of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
4: or being coronated as the, <laughs> <laughs> as the emperor of Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say I identify with him as a person, but I find him uh, very fascinating. And I would post to all of you, the Evil Men crew, uh, as we go through the tale of Napoleon, is he an evil man? Because this, this is a subject of great debate in history.
2: Yes. I have read about Napoleon a little bit, and I get what you're saying. <laughs> history is subjective. History is written by the victors, as a Klingon said once in a Star Trek movie. And he was
4: the first to say it. They attributed that retroactively.
2: Was was Napoleon... That Klingon got into history <laughs> yeah, books yeah. moving forward. They, put, they
4: like scribbled it into a book from like a hundred years earlier after the Klingon said it.
1: Do you think Worf was the Napoleon (laughs) of that spaceship? (laughs) Not Worf
4: wrote Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. I don't know that. (laughs) Worf was the Napoleon of that
1: spaceship. He was the Napoleon of that spaceship. What's the spaceship called? The SS Enterprise. He he was was (laughs) the Napoleon of the the Enterprise.
3: Now, I have a good question. Was Napoleon (laughs) in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I believe he was. Yeah. Yes.
4: Isn't it him that plays the... (sighs) Um, key, like the keyboard solo? No, that must have been Beethoven. That must have been Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> Huge pull, James. I, <laughs> I, I take recall. back
2: everything I said about Evan.
4: I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't even know what Napoleon was doing in that mall <laughs> at the
1: end. He, he, Does he, was he like, go surfing or something? Yeah. He like, knows uh, everything
2: about history, but don't ask her about <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
1: <laughs> it's my blind spot. <laughs> I think he plays leisure, leisure Suit Larry or something, and he's yeah. like, I can't believe it. Oh, yeah, he, he goes to an arcade. He's yeah. temperamental
3: <laughs> in the Bill and Ted. Like, he, he gets... Yeah, I think you're right. He plays it in arcade. He, he goes to mad. Wiggy
2: Piggy or whatever it's called. Wiggly Piggly. Or <laughs> piggly Wiggly?
3: He
1: tries to yeah, invade piggly,
2: McDonald's. I'm back! <laughs> yes! Genius. Yes. Oh, uh, it's Piggly Wiggly.
3: <laughs> so, Ebony, before I sort of get going on Napoleon's early life, was there any preamble you wanted to say, or was it, or was it just the, the question? Do you think, do you I th- think he's no, evil? No, I think
4: the question is important. And we will decide together where he ranks. But I also think like what is gonna be crazy about Napoleon as we talk about him and why he is so famous is not just because he was a brilliant strategist or like military guy, because he has eclipsed guys like Alexander the Great or Robert E. Lee or anyone like that. It's also because I believe that Napoleon like invented PR spin. Like I believe there's like a direct line from like Napoleon to the Kardashians, to Trump, to Kanye West, to anyone, any of that. He, I think, kind of invented it in a way that is shocking and as deranged as those people.
2: Wow, this is great. Okay, well, I'll get going, Ebony. It took a long time to make PR back then.
4: (laughs) Hey-oh! You had to paint it and ship it, yeah.
2: You had to dip your quill and make sure you had enough ink.
3: That seems like the kind of thing, Chris, I could see you saying in a sexy moment to a woman that you're going yeah. to dip your quill and sort
2: of create a old fashion. In her ink pot. I'm going to write a letter in you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Whoopee. <Ew. laughs> okay, well, Evan, you jump in whenever you want. So uh, Napoleon Bonaparte was born in 1769.
2: Why are we? Why is James doing this? <laughs> I we did talk about I'm this. Joking. I'm up for it. I'm just yeah, uh,
3: he was born in Corsica, which was conquered by France during the year of his damn birth.
2: You know what? That would bother me. Oh, really? Bothered him too. What? Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh,
3: his parents were uh, part of the Corsican resistance, and they fought against the French to maintain independence, even when his mom was pregnant with him. So he has it even in his. As an right. unborn fetus fighting who is in fighting,
2: his blood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can hear like fighting through the walls of your the uterus. <laughs> Imagine you
4: can hear arguing about Corsican policy right through the walls of the uterus.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you and your little gel bubble go. <laughs> Imagine a I big like this. a big war um,
3: fought by fetuses. I'm being oh my God. Uh, influenced right now. <laughs> um. So Napoleon, he came from kind of a moderately affluent background, so he was able to have greater opportunities for school. Oh,
2: then who gives a shit? He shouldn't. Uh, he's like hell. Chet Hanks. Yeah, I'm sick of this shit, man. He
4: is the Chet Hanks of Europe.
2: <laughs> White Corsican boy
3: summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's, he, when he's nine, he gets to move to France, and uh, he went to a military academy. On
2: daddy's dollar? God, I hate the same old story, eh?
0: Um,
3: in his youth, he was an outspoken Corsican nationalist, and he supported its independence from from France. Uh, he grew up speaking Corsican, Corsican, and he didn't learn French until he was ten, and he had a distinct accent. Right, I guess it,
1: that's an interesting thing to think, because hmm. we, we associate him with France, obviously, but within France, even as the emperor. He didn't have a French accent. He sounded like, like is Corsican sort of like Italian?
4: Yeah, like, basically like Italy wasn't unified at this point, right. which will become very important in his career later. But basically it's like all these little states and they're all like, uh, my one's the best. And yeah. Corsica had been taken over. So he's like a little Italian guy who will it's take over. It's a mean. It's a me, Napoleon. Napoleon. <laughs> um, and It'd he... be
2: like if uh, Shaba ranks United Canada.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or someone from PEI. Yeah. Okay,
2: but I still thought it'd be funny if a sure very right. thick reggae <laughs> accent was like. Anyways, we can't do it. I
1: think he was when he went to like school as like an outsider in France. He was like miserably lonely as well. Yeah. Well, this just, is like, like
4: a bi- there's a big revenge of the nerds theme here with Napoleon because he was kind of this like pasty boy and he had this like thick Italian accent <laughs> and didn't have like. His parent, like he really waffled on whether he was a nobleman or not, depending on like the tides of politics. So oftentimes he was like, "I'm a poor Italian boy," and then other times he'd be like, "No, I'm a fancy boy." Uh, but <laughs> either way, a boy and small and kind of sickly and bad with girls. He wrote a lot of embarrassing like love letters throughout his <laughs> life, which I'm sure will come up. At one point, he had like, at 16, he had like command of an army, but was like just a teen who was like kind of suicidally depressed and writing a lot of like dramatic poetry while <laughs> running a battalion. He was, um, yeah, he yeah, was teams badly start bullied. Some a band. Yeah, some teens started a band. <laughs> he had an army. Um,
1: had they existed, would he have liked the Smiths? But did his army? He
4: would his have his loved army, the I, think, his his he have been, I think he would have been throwing roses at Morrissey all day long.
2: <laughs> did his army still help him build a half pipe in his backyard? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Sick.
4: That's how so he inspired a nation. Damn. <laughs> Grinding. Yeah, check um, it out. <laughs> um, but he really did have like a kind of like forlorn loser teen energy, and was badly bullied by by girls and boys. And hashtag I think,
3: Bell, let's talk.
4: Hashtag Bell, let's talk. And I think it would kind of inspire his need to conquer all of Europe. <laughs>
2: all right. It was easier to get that going back then, eh? Yeah.
4: Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was easier to kind of get out your teen frustration by taking over an he was, entire yeah.
2: continent. He
1: was the original incel, in a way. but He was
4: kind of. of yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a big incel energy to yeah. him.
1: But and also, Hitler.
4: like...
2: <laughs> it was... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I am being glib because I'm a m- modern person. People do think we're de-evolving these days, though, t- t- to be honest. But... Whoa, Chris. Would it be... <laughs> True, not true, that that it was easier to influence everyone back then because back then 90% of the population was absolutely shit-dumb and impressionable? (laughs) Well, interesting that you say that because... I know there's aristocrats out there, but even they're getting fat and lazy around this time, Oh, yeah, they're about
4: about to get the boot. But part of what Napoleon will eventually take advantage of is actually that France had the most literate army at the time.
2: Did Napoleon ever cross paths with Robespierre? Oh yeah, he did. he's coming up. Yeah. I, I I love that era. It's so crazy.
4: It's so crazy. Changing the calendar and shit. Yeah. The Supreme Being.
2: I love What's it. Called? Watch we'll the there. movie Danton about George Danton by uh, Andres <laughs> Wajda, you know? Yeah Mike's a film buff. <laughs>
3: And I love buff. That shit. Mike's a buff film buff. <laughs> no. so that's two buffs. He's busting two, out of his jeans. Two buffs for one. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so Napoleon's ten. He's James, take the reins back.
3: <laughs> so yes, kind no, of. A, no, this is good. He's a nerd. Although you know, apparently, um, he was apparently average height. Apparently, he wasn't that short, but uh, he was British scrawny. Propaganda.
2: It so so he was like propaganda. five eight, five nine.
4: No, he's five five.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. Average
3: for a Frenchman at the right, time,
2: right,
1: right,
4: But the British changed; they they had a different unit of measurement because of Robespierre, because they changed mm. all the units of measurement in the calendar and everything. So they the British used that. What they switched the measurements so they made him sound so much smaller than he was.
2: Ah, oh. uh, hmm,
3: yeah, that's um, funny.
2: Okay, so, so that
3: funny. <laughs> So that's sort of early Napoleon. Um, In 1784, he was admitted to the École Militaire in Paris, (laughs) uh, which is a a very famous French military academy, and he trained to become an artillery officer. He was the first Corsican to graduate from the École Militaire. That's
0: actually what he's most
4: famous for, yeah?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is his
2: picture still on the wall?
3: Yeah. Um, He graduated
4: Name the cafeteria after
2: (laughs) Uh, Napoleon grilled cheese and fries
4: (laughs) His favorite meal
2: (laughs) French
3: fries (laughs)
2: Um, This is great
3: Yeah, it's already awesome Uh,
2: So he graduated And I am, I just want to say to the (laughs) listeners I am picturing the Napoleon from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, not Joaquin Phoenix, okay? I
4: don't want anyone to picture Joaquin Phoenix while we're talking
2: about yeah.
3: You think Joaquin Phoenix is per, as a
2: Napoleon? Maybe uh, we should save that for a big special blast at the end. Okay. Yeah. We can save that. What do you think? Cuz that could save, be a whole save
1: that we don't think it's a great I... casting choice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a big <laughs> twist. But yeah. also this is coming out. This this episode yeah. is going to like dictate like who goes to the theater for this or not like it's sure. going to sway massive <laughs> amounts of people yeah. they should have
3: paid us to say yeah, it's yeah. exciting or something yeah
2: which i wouldn't be able to live with myself <laughs> i would
3: um okay so he graduates from this military school he becomes a second lieutenant in an artillery regiment uh, he fights in corsica and gets appointed senior gunner and he's doing really well so he's 24 and he's already like very quickly kind of an important guy in the military um
4: i would say so we've jumped over a massive thing between him being 24 and being the youngest brigadier general ever in the history of france okay and his uh, military training which is the french revolution the whole french revolution happens in that time
3: so why don't you give us a primer on the french revolution sorry i didn't mean to no this is good Jump in, jump in. Well, James,
4: you forgot the French Revolution. <laughs>
2: um, it's
3: actually, Mike, on the next page of the Google Doc.
4: You know what? Keep going. I'll I'll talk about it when we get there. I'm God, sorry.
2: God, this was another Our episode marriage is of end. the newlywed game. <laughs> well, here's what I'll say. When,
4: when do each of us think the French Revolution was? So we have to write it down. <laughs> D-
3: uh, dear. Um,
4: sorry, James.
3: No, you know what? It's actually a perfect time to do it. Please, I'm Please give nerd. us... A, Please give us a primer on the French Revolution.
4: Okay. Quick primer on the French Revolution. And the reason this is important to the Napoleon story is that it's going to set up his whole deal uh, and the crazy hypocrisy that he would become famous for. But also, if it hadn't been for the French Revolution, he could not have become... Like, we would never have heard of him in a way. The the way he rose through the ranks was because of the French Revolution. Basically, it's 1789... Uh, so Napoleon's like 1920, um, and uh, there's like unrest everywhere. France and England have been mad at each other for like a thousand years. They're constantly fighting for power for all of Europe. Uh, France has not done that well in the Seven Years' War. And then uh, America overthrows Britain, uh, and, and France is very excited uh, in the American Revolution. France is very excited to kind of fucking stick it to Britain. So they send all their money to the Americans to help them defeat the British, and then they have no money except to be rich. Rich and fat, and not give anyone any food or bread. So there's and like the Americans a were inspired there. by
2: French as well for their revolution, right? Like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and all those guys.
4: Uh, yes, but but the American Revolution kind of preceded some of that. So they had given a, oh. France had given a lot of money to America to help them kind of overthrow British rule, and then they oh. were broke themselves, and uh, and it eventually led to their own uh, revolution. Because yeah, so they had been like, "Eh, fuck you, Britain." And so, then
1: they, so he's. Fighting for the king's army for a bit then, right? Oh, yes. As he the will a- switch artillery guy. many times.
4: Yes. So technically he's fighting to protect the regime. And basically, you know, the the, the the broad strokes of the French Revolution is, all you know, it's very 1% energy. It's very Occupy Wall Street. Uh, the, the peasants have nothing. Marie Antoinette spending all this money being crazy. The French coffers are empty because they funded the American Revolution and so uh, they overthrow the government and it will be one of the bloodiest most vicious overthrows of government in the history of the world uh, and there's like a four year terror, they're guillotining everyone, all of which Napoleon's going to witness firsthand. and the guy that emerges out of this is Robespierre with the very leftist Jacobin government and France is in. so like now as he's rising the ranks and he manages to go from fighting for the regime to fighting for the Jacobin, the, the leftist side, the republic that's going to Emerge out of this, and Robespierre's a kook. You should do an episode on him. But he fully throws out kind of every idea Francis ever had. He changes the calendar to like a psychotic ten-day week. He says God isn't the thing anymore; it's just this person he or this creature he calls the Supreme Being. Everyone's freaking <laughs> yeah, he out. He goes
2: too far. <laughs> he,
4: goes, he goes. way too <laughs> but far. He also had
2: that psycho young maniac on his by his side too. I wanted to do an episode on him one time, but I totally am stupidly forgetting his name right now. One of like Robin, Robes, Robin, Robin yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: Robespierre <Beer>, and Robin. <laughs> and
2: Anyways, he just wore underpants in a game. I just thought because Ebony knows so much, she'd know who I'm talking about. But not
4: Marat, who is his opponent. No,
2: eh, I don't no. know who. What? He is like this young psycho that was also going power mad and isolated at the same time. Ah. But, a bit but napoleon's coo- able to huh? sort of like know,
4: so but that's it so napoleon's able to like ping pong around
1: without losing his head
4: and this is why this whole thing of like whether he was a nobleman or not is important because when when right. still a monarchy he's like yeah we're totally aristocrats and then it's robespierre and he's like oh we're so poor and crazy like you guys uh and so <laughs> he keeps managing to like zigzag and then Robespierre's out and the and the directory is in which is this new kind of mm, Semi in between government uh, that's like Did a bit he have democratic, a game at but this not.
0: Point though,
2: personal. This or is where w- it gets
4: creepy because you would think, he, like his game was always about Corsica, and I'm gonna like avenge Corsica. And he even wrote an essay when he was a young man that he was like, "The key to happiness is not to have any ambition," said Napoleon, <laughs> um, which is crazy. And then, oh, slowly he'll just abandon all of his ideals to become a madman, but.
3: And maybe worth mentioning, yeah, because up to this point in France, an absolute rule for the monarchy, there's an absolute ruler, and the French Revolution is—the idea of it, I guess, is like the commoners taking that power away from the absolute rulers, and I guess it's going to be kind of a democracy.
4: Yeah, the whole idea is that you can't say that God ordained you to be king and absolutism is over— and they succeed. And it's crazy that Napoleon will kind of come through that given what happens not that long after. Uh, but also, then all of the other governments of Europe are like, oh, fuck, no, don't do that. Because they're all like, now revolution's brewing everywhere because of what happened in France. Which, yeah, again,
3: Napoleon will take advantage of. Well said, Ebony, well said. So, uh, <laughs>
2: Sorry. Does anybody who's ever got all of the people's best interests at heart uh, all the time, it's, it's an emperor.
4: It's an emperor, famously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like a megalomaniacal <laughs> little guy who was bullied a lot in high school. That's who yeah. you want. But before
0: we stick with me.
1: Aside, <laughs> aside from his military, like brilliance as an artillery guy, and then a strategist later, he was not just like the typical like dunderheaded military soldier guy. He was like interested in like culture and science and the new ideas like of. of uh, the Enlightenment, probably right. Like
4: yes, very much so. And he like he will be instrumental in bringing like so, like art to France. He's he takes the Louvre from Italy or takes uh, the Mona Lisa. He takes the Louvre right. to Italy, <laughs> brings
3: it that, back
1: brick by brick. He,
3: he takes that glass pyramid <laughs> <Yeah>. on a. <laughs> um,
1: he but, opened the first KFC in Paris. Yeah,
3: <laughs> uh, he took Disney from Florida and made Euro Disney. <laughs>
4: um. No, but 100%. But then also in like really embarrassing ways that go back to his like teen nerddom. Like he proposed, like before Josephine, he proposed to this like merchant's daughter who wasn't into him and he wrote a whole romantic novel about it, which is very bad. Um, <laughs> right. And did a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was like, he kind of had that streak in him too.
3: Right. Um. So exactly, Mike. He's he's this brilliant military guy. He actually had a moment where things were going a bit bad for him. He refused an assignment because it would have been a demotion. So he's like, I'm not doing that. And he kind of gotten a bit of shit for it and it could have gone all wrong for Napoleon but there was a royalist rebellion and he uh, was commanding the defensive forces and he was like incredible at it and wiped them out. So he put
1: down a royalist rebellion trying to snuff out the revolution. And Uh, this is
4: his first like, is he an evil man moment? Because it was like And it's said that like with anyone else, like it could it would have been a full counter revolution to like reinstate the monarchy. It could have gone on forever. Um, And he just stands there with cannons in front of the Tuileries Palace and then shoots hundreds of people in the face at point blank (laughs) range of his own countrymen. In theory, like it was so brutal that everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And then it just ended that day. And then they were like, "I guess you're in charge of a bunch of the army now." But it was like really. Hor- horrific what he did.
2: Cannonballs would rip their heads off of their bodies?
4: Yeah, like he waited, <laughs> like they were like armed with like pitchforks and he waited till he could see the whites of their eyes and then opened full cannon fire into a crowd of civilians. And cannons?
1: Cuz I looked it up at the time I was reading about Napoleon, like cannonballs would just like they're they just rip through your like they don't <laughs> yeah. explode, they just rip yeah, through. Yeah, they you, just keep right?
2: going. <laughs> right. Yeah, the they're, crowd. they're solid
3: balls. Yeah, yeah. we should right. try shooting one on a Patreon at one of <laughs> a, one yeah. of Yeah, our, you should all solid. kind of
4: hug around the waist and then have some, and go, oh no! And then have someone fire them through your chest. Because my mind I was like, oh yeah,
1: they shoot them out and then they explode, but they don't. They just they're just they go through you and they're probably very hot and they probably just eat through your skin and bones.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah it doesn't <laughs> sound fun.
2: I don't even know if they're hot. Yeah, I don't, either, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're hot either. Even I don't know if they're hot.
3: They put them in a pizza oven before they put them in the cannon?
2: <laughs> um, I've seen a, pa- a, a piece of armor in a museum that had a <laughs> cannonball ripped through it, and it looks fucking crazy. Damn. Yeah. anyway's grizzly back so then. This is the Hockey first... Hall of Fame?
3: <laughs> <laughs> a puck shot by Marty McSorley. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Kaiômi's uh, uniform. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yowch!
4: But uh, that's like the first thing he'll do. That's like a bit unpredictable. Totally works. Is oddly brutal, but everyone's like, "I like okay, this guy. I like. I like his moxie."
3: <laughs> yeah, and it, yes, right. This got him fame, wealth, and the government called the Directory was sort of like, "Okay, we we like you, Napoleon."
2: Um, you know, when you're living in a world uh, of rules, a maverick is always so tantalizing, isn't he? Are they? Yes. You know what I mean?
4: Like that Mel Gibson movie.
2: Yeah. Maverick. Oh,
3: <laughs> James Garner and... Um, that was based on the Jodie Foster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: If Napoleon if no,
1: is in the
3: Wild West. People do, yeah, an outsider.
4: Yeah, and he Trump. was. And weirdly, and this is where, again, the comparisons get weird because, like, also Hitler an outsider, also Stalin an outsider, also Alexander the Great an outsider. Like, very often, mm-hmm. it's these outsider types who c- then kind of... <laughs>
2: Because right, people, up, right up the butt. Society gets too tight. They create these stringent rules that actually uh, are kind of like these giant swamp weeds that start constricting around you and pulling you tighter and tighter. And then someone goes, hey, guys, I got a machete. I live right over here.
4: Are you saying we have to drain the swamp, Chris? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: yep. And the last guy did not
2: do his job properly, so we need an even yeah, better. Yeah, but he's
3: going to do it in 24. <laughs> Um, so it's 1796 and Napoleon's 27 and he's now leading the, ah, uh, uh, leading commander in the French Your army. The
2: well, the age of Kurt Cobain was when he blew his know, brains out. I, I
3: think at 27, maybe I was just transitioning from sketch to stand up, I want <laughs> I was say. depressed at 27
2: and I put a, <laughs> I put a cannon to my head. Shit, dude. And I almost lit the wick but i'm so (laughs) glad he thought this
4: cannonball is going to be too hot (laughs) put
3: on some oven mitts (laughs) so yeah napoleon he's killing it he's 27 um
4: and no one had ever been that young doing this job only because of the french revolution like every like you'd be 50 at this job even then and he just because the whole
1: army was was reconstituted right after the revolution yeah so there's like, this,
4: there will be this theme that he emerges from where they just keep being like oh we went too left and now we're in the middle and we don't know what to do and do we want the monarchy back and we don't know and it keeps kind of skirting around so they're in this directory phase that's so it's like th- when easy rider
2: just totally fucked up hollywood they're yeah. like we are out of touch yeah <laughs>
4: dennis <laughs> hopper seems like a cool guy no notes won't look too hard at his personal <laughs> uh- life <laughs> Get him at the Oscars. <laughs> What's
2: wrong, Dennis Hopper's girlfriend? <laughs> Don't talk to her. <laughs> right this way, the youth. <laughs>
4: Do you guys uh, like cigarettes? <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the hell.
2: Um. So, P- I so read- he is like Kurt Cobain too yeah for like sure just changing shit the fuck up yeah
0: absolutely and it'll never be the same again
3: um people were also i read people were amazed at how quickly he could learn tactics and political strategy just by asking questions about it like at a party or something he would ask questions that people might at first be like this guy's dumb like he he wasn't afraid to seem dumb asking every little detail about something but then he'd remember it all and like one of those guys that could become an expert on something shockingly quick. Apparently,
4: they say to a photographic memory. They think.
3: <clears throat>
2: okay, but can I do my uh, guessing here again about this era? And um, <laughs> were things that complicated at all?
4: Yes. <laughs> okay. Things, I think I. I hear where you're coming from. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Dump them all down. But <laughs> we're like we're in the height of the Enlightenment. Things are very complicated in Europe. is oh. very complicated, and 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 it's the the population's never been more educated.
2: This is sort of what I'm saying about the swamp weed strangling you down. If you're like an aristocratic Lock bureaucracy, right? And every like what you're saying, like policy upon policy, so that like you scratch my back, I scratch your back, and it just becomes this sort of feast of nonsense. And then you get a guy who comes in and blows your head off with a cannonball. <laughs>
4: 100%. It's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Well, if you did- but
2: also the Maverick move of blowing everybody's head off with a cannonball uh, is a de facto way of shedding all like all the importance on that like uh, bureaucracy that eats itself over and over again in this like uh, stuffy old aristocracy uh, world. What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> well if you If you did li- I mean, it just eliminates it anyways,
4: yeah, I mean, if you blow the head off of anything with a cannon, it's kind of, that kind of eliminates it for sure,
2: like emotions dominate is what I'm saying in that kind of setting. Emotions yes. are free in in this sense, yes, do you see what I'm saying?
3: Well, if you did live in France where the you know the king's the absolute ruler and there's no money, and you know you see their wealth and you and and you're you're overthrowing them in this like i mean. And he probably resented the French
1: monarchy as a Corsican nationalist as Yeah, well. like, so it would, it would like, be
3: so thrilling. It would be thrilling. Like, I remember when there were riots in, um like, during COVID, and I, part of me was like, I wonder if they're going to, like, go to Jeff Bezos's house and, like, pull him out of there. And, you know, there's a horrible part of you that's like, let's go crazy. Maybe we should cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I yeah. can imagine in that moment the, the, to take down these sort of... Uh, yeah. Ultra. You're just
2: saying you wonder how far the chaos will go. I think that's, that's completely natural. I think yeah. we all did that. I thought tanks were going to like drive down the street at one point yeah. in the early days.
3: Um, Ebony, shall we talk about Joseph? It was
2: actually quite depressing how <laughs> limited we all allowed ourselves to be in chaos. We all uh, cowered in our homes. and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Drain the Swamp is what I <laughs> 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 so,
3: <laughs> so, Ebony, shall we talk about a lady named Josephine?
4: Yes. I would say other than being a bullied nerd in high school, Josephine is going to have the biggest impact <laughs> on Napoleon's kind of later um, dick-swinging energy, in a way. That's not all true. Also, his weird personality and his strange drive, but Josephine is, like, a big part of his life. And basically, Paul Barris, who is the head of the directory, so he's, like, kind of the head politician in France right now. Napoleon manages to make friends with him, and Paul Barris is like, I got this mistress. She's driving me nuts. You gotta take her off my hands, man. Uh, And this is Josephine, who is six years older than Napoleon. She has two kids. Um, And... (laughs) <laughs> Facts differ on whether she was a babe or a bit not
3: a babe. May, may I chip in, Ebony? Yeah. I read that Josephine's dad was a uh, aristocrat who owned a sugarcane plantation in Martinique. And so she ate so much sugar that her teeth were blackened by her late 20s. But despite having black teeth, she was still considered one of the hottest socialites in Paris.
4: (laughs) But if you ever look at portraits of her, her mouth is always kind of closed and tight-lipped because she was
3: hiding her weird black teeth always. (laughs) Mike, could you ever see yourself, you know, getting with a a hot babe who has black teeth? Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> That's extreme. I'd lick her sugary teeth. And, <laughs> and no, nice you, time, you, yeah. Instead of a candy he cane, Michael. It. Sweet
1: taste.
3: In, <laughs> at Christmas time. Instead of licking a candy cane, yeah, you could lick uh, her
1: teeth. It's every young man's dream. Every young man on the <laughs> rise in France. Uh, an older <laughs> woman with black teeth. They're, <laughs> Don't they're
4: down me. to nubs. Yeah, Little black yeah. nubs. Because <laughs> <laughs>
1: imagine dental care back back then. An older oh,
2: woman yeah. with black teeth has nothing to lose in the sack.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's the case.
3: I also read that um, she had a childlike vibe, squeaky voice, impressed by gifts, uh, through fits. And Napoleon kind of liked this, apparently. He she liked. sounds
2: like a demon that crawls out of your TV after you get a haunted VHS cassette.
4: <laughs> She's Honestly, and I'm always defending women of in history, what a tough go they had. I think Josephine was a real
1: bitch. <laughs> she was. Oh, <laughs> I love it, F. Do you think was, like, did he have some sort of visits to a brothel? Or was she his first like his first experience uh, with a woman, but at
4: twenty-seven, no, he, he had like some like failed experience with a prostitute where it like didn't quite work, and then he wrote an <laughs> academic essay about it to be like, I did that for research. Like
2: and this <laughs> was before. I came that. too soon for research. I came.
4: I came. Yeah, before I got inside for research. But she was uh, his first.
2: Like I came real... like a cannonball.
3: <laughs> no, Mike. I think he was engaged to someone named Desiree Clary earlier, but it Damn. didn't... It was the merchant's daughter. I know her. The romantic novel about.
4: Oh right. Oh, you know right, Desiree. Right, right. You all know Desiree. She's, yes, uh, she's nice um she dumped him so that bummed him out this will also be a theme but um so he meets josephine and he's like immediately obsessed with her in like kind of a humiliating way that she finds quite disgusting uh <laughs> one thing that he liked to do a lot when he was with her is climb into her lap like a little baby boy and she and he she kind of why to am i thinking this. of
3: chris right now
4: yeah. <laughs> mm. but he'd like get up in her lap and like want to sit on her lap and she was like Woof uh fairly, but then he would write her these like crazy, involved, quite sexual love letters, which she never wrote back, and instead she would read them at parties to her friends and like laugh at him.
2: <laughs> whoa
4: she was like not into him, but then, she had
2: no idea he was about to become an emperor.
4: well, she guess I think she could see that she found him quite disgusting, but his star was on the rise, and he was quite like. L- we call it Pussy Blind uh, for her. So she,
1: I think I love her. <laughs> yeah.
4: So she finally gets kind of worn. And she's like, keep in mind, like a like her husband had been killed in the revolution. She's like a widow with two kids and the head of the government's like, I don't want to fuck you on the side anymore. Like she's kind of in a, she's looking for her next meal ticket. So she realizes his star's on the rise and kind of Paul Barris couldn't f- like get her, off on anyone else and Napoleon's like, I love her. Uh, So they get married. Finally, she agrees to marry him and then he immediately goes to Italy. They barely have a wedding night.
3: Right. And uh, um, it might be a little bit out of time but uh, she cheated on him. She had a um, like a miss, not a, a male mistress. A I mistress.
4: guess she, she had a Mister, <laughs> she
3: had a Mister Mister. And
4: when she he convinced her to come visit him in Italy, Napoleon did. She kind of brought the Mister along.
3: Oh no! And um, he was hurt. Like he hadn't apparently cheated on her at this point, and then he saw she was cheating on him, and he's yeah. like, "Oh fuck this!" And he got a mis- he got a couple mistresses then, but he was hurt that she cheated on him.
4: But before he did that, he poisoned her dog. <laughs> he did. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> she
4: had a little pug named Liberte or something that maybe <laughs> was a gift from the mister. It's kind of a then,
2: basic bitch name. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Liberte, Fraternite, Galite, yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> what is
2: he made out of yogurt?
4: Yeah, it was a <laughs> little yogurt dog. <laughs> he was a little liberty yogurt dog. Uh, that I think the mister maybe gave her and then um she, he she told him he didn't she didn't love him anymore and she found out he found out she was having these affairs and he arranged to have her dog poisoned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's nothing worse from a guy's POV than when you're Older girlfriend with black teeth cheats on you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love you, who cheats on you.
1: <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the ultimate cucking.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's talking to his friends, like, oh, she cheated on me. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. Maybe you should date someone without black teeth. <laughs> there are plenty of older women with black teeth in the sea.
1: <laughs>
2: you guys don't get it. It's from her dad's sugar. <laughs>
4: That's what's so cute about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: were talking about this before the podcast, but I remember reading about Napoleon and Josephine and that she was like cuz she was older than him and had had many lovers and maybe a reputation, but she was famous for doing something in the bedroom <laughs> that was that no historian quite knows what it is, but in the bed with Napoleon and they would write letters to each other. She was known for something doing a move called zigzags.
3: What? <laughs> that
1: no one, like it was never explained in like one of his letters to her, but it appears several times in their correspondence. Maybe licking
3: his butt hole? Or
1: something. Or like back then, if it's like you think everyone was stupid, it was like, was it like the first time? It was just like a girl on top or like, <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> they like, zigzag. Yeah, zigzag.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She <laughs> should be a zigzag
4: Some kind of hetero yeah. scissoring? Yeah.
1: <laughs> or she just crossed her eyes while they did missionary. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: <laughs> whoa. whoa, whoa. Well, uh, boy,
3: went in boy, different like. directions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, famously, um, Napoleon did like when Josephine, and this is not a joke, he liked a bit of stank on her downtown. Because that letter where he's like, Don't wash? Yeah, he sent her a letter like, I'm coming home in three weeks. Please don't bathe from now till then. I want to taste your stank. I'm going to say another
2: ignorant thing about the past that I assume. (laughs) Okay. I assume that back then they had to convince themselves they liked the stank because it (laughs) wasn't going anywhere. (laughs) It could be. I mean, I know they had bathtubs, but not how But do we think maybe that was a joke also?
1: I, I, Ebony, oh. I, I would never say that to
3: Ebony I'll tell you that flat Ebony out. is that true or not
4: no he keeps asking me to wash it
2: <laughs> here's my impression of a joke I'm coming home it. please wash
4: <laughs> <laughs> there is a way his, his letters to her do read like those of, a, of like a, of an incel who got a girlfriend like they're, uh-huh. they're a bit too much and they're a bit, they're a bit stank heavy
2: <laughs> yeah here's my impression of a joke don't wash your hoo ha 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 ha.
4: That would have gone over like Gangbusters back yeah. then.
2: <laughs> Get it? Yes. Don't wash it. Mm. Yeah.
4: Um, but yeah, he liked he liked her he liked her punani <laughs> <laughs> raw.
2: <laughs> he, liked her punani-
4: right
2: <laughs> he liked her punani. He liked her punani Puoey. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, just, you just
3: winced when. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no. Are we allowed to say that word?
2: I think so. Okay, I trust you guys.
3: I trust you guys. Am I allowed to say Punani? (laughs)
4: Mike, (laughs) and james i feel like there's no what 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 100 episode are you on there's no way you james hartnett have never said
3: punani on this podcast i haven't because i don't want to get in trouble you know with who mike (laughs) well i asked mike is that okay mike knows you didn't care about
2: getting in trouble anymore (laughs) well i do it gets us more listeners probably well
3: that is be bad boys don't you think
4: Discord, okay. can James say Punani on the air? <laughs> <Thank you.
2: laughs> hey, listeners, let us know if your Punani stank. <laughs> <laughs> so when
1: they're married and they have this time in Italy, he's not—he's uh, just like a very powerful guy in the army. Then at this point,
4: yeah. So basically, they're gonna get married, but it's like these very these very rushed nuptials. He's like. There's, like, a weird stuff about their wedding where, like, nobody shows up. He's three hours late. He has to, like, wake up the priest. It's, like, a bit of a disaster. And then, like, four hours later, he has to leave because he's been made the first, uh, like, the, the head of the French army in Italy by uh, by Paul Barris, by the head of the directory. Um, right. So he's like, love you, bye. And she's like, I'm staying here. So she's immediately, like, they get married, quick kiss, bye-bye, quick smell of the stink, and he's gone. <laughs> and then she's <laughs> staying behind with her yogurt dog having sex with other people. And he's <laughs> off to, to it's Italy.
1: It's the ideal honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect this honeymoon. Is crazy.
4: And he's <laughs> off to Italy for, like, a couple years. And this is where he's gonna, like, establish himself. Right. Like, this is where he's finally gonna get some confidence. And th- is
1: because he's in Italy because revolutionary France is so chaotic that it's being invaded by like all of the neighboring countries taking advantage of France in that moment.
4: Yeah, so he'll so he'll yeah, they're uh, what are they called? Not the collectives, there's seven of them.
3: Uh Later, they were called like the Third Collective or something. Yeah,
4: so there, there'll be seven times, and in, in his, from now until like his end, uh, a bunch of European countries will get together and try to stop him and fail six right. out of those seven times. And this is the first one in Italy, where Corsica, you know, like we said, Italy wasn't unified yet, so this is like a real hotbed for control. So all these countries get together to try to stop him from taking, but but Italy is a is a French territory at this point, or most of it is. Okay. So he's rallying. There's like these broke, unhappy Italians uh, who are being kind of conscripted into this army. And he has this vibe that they can get behind. They suddenly don't feel... Because now he's leaning on his Italian side. He's not a French guy in Italy. He's one of them. And what he does that like no one had thought to do, I guess since Alexander the Great, and even then not as much, is he's getting down in the muck with them. If he wants a cannon fired, he's doing it himself. If he's sitting around at night, he's sharing his food with soldiers. If there's a little drummer boy who's cold, he invites them over to his fire. Generals were never hanging out with soldiers. And he's doing this in a way that is really smart because, as we mentioned, this is the most literate army in in Europe at the time. So he quietly knows, and this is where his, like, freak PR mind's gonna start, that they're all writing letters back home, and some of them have families in France being like, this guy fucking rules. So he's creating mythos for himself back in France, back in unoccupied places already, about what a, like, cool guy he is. This is where he gets the nickname the Little Corporal. And he's like, uh, and then the other thing he does that's really kind of, like, spooky and wild is that he just like he's going to beat the other armies that they're fighting because he convinces everyone that they're going to live off the land. So they they stop bringing like livestock with them and supply trains and <laughs> all this stuff, and they're just like foraging in the Italian woods and then like kicking everybody's ass. Which and is, he, yeah,
2: they literally are hungry to kill the other people. Yes,
4: and he bec- like and he's becomes like unstoppable because his army believes in him and then this is where he gets his cultural side going so he starts bringing over um art experts and all these things he starts ripping art off the wall he literally he takes the Mona Lisa he takes all these things that all end up back at the Louvre which is now named after him in Paris um, or it will be and then he also starts realizing with all this art stuff and seeing all this art and he kind of has a moment he's like I should do this so this is when (laughs) even in Italy he starts having a portraitist come follow him around and start painting portraits of him and these keep all getting sent back to France and they're right. wildly inaccurate to what was going on. So, like, there's a really famous Jacques-Louis David painting where he's, like, on a rearing white horse and, like, Charlemagne and Hannibal's names are inscribed underneath because he's crossing the Alps uh, <laughs> to take Austria. And uh, it's, like, such a dramatic painting. And in reality, the army was, like, two days ahead of him. He was on a donkey. It was very wet <laughs> cold. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, put the Instagram filter on it. And now it's, like... And then he's so sexy in the painting. And so suddenly he's, like already by the time he's back from Italy he's built like everyone's like this guy's a living legend and he's done all of this <laughs> and while he's the first he there.
1: the first like maybe like leader to personally sort of uh Oversee the production of his image like that like, yes right
4: there had been like cults of personality before but no one had thought to be like i could just lie uh, and this is where he kind of gets this idea so the the man like he's already beloved by his soldiers but then who he is when he comes back is already like wildly exaggerated he's already like mythical when he comes back uh
3: right. from italy right and uh, by the way, one thing about his Egyptian campaign that we didn't mention, um, he brought a bunch of scientists there and mathematicians and stuff, and they made all these discoveries, including they discovered the Rosetta Stone. That was Napoleon who discovered that. Yeah. So was that after Italy was the Egypt And this campaign? is where
4: his, then it gets, starts to get evil again. Because he comes back from Italy, and every, and all the po- all the politicians are a bit afraid of him because he's getting so powerful. So they try to give him another shitty assignment, and always his thing is like, I'm going to be unpredictable so he suddenly is like i'm gonna take egypt and everyone was like why what (laughs) this was like no one asked him to do this but he had like kind of a weird narrative where he was like well we can interrupt like britain's supply line to india if we take egypt and everyone was like i guess and he was gone and he went off to
3: egypt and he fought in in the battle of the pyramids and they literally fought like next to the pyramids.
2: did they shoot a cannon at the sphinx's face or is yeah. that from like a, like a... You
4: might be thinking of Aladdin and they fly into an unflying <laughs> carpet. I think I'm
2: thinking of a, of a, what's his name? Sherman and Peabody cartoon from Rocky and
4: <laughs> It is possible that, that that was from the Napoleonic Wars. I don't know. It might be.
2: Hmm.
4: Or it's from a Sherman and Peabody cartoon. Yeah. I don't I, know.
2: Most of my history comes from Sherman and Peabody. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's a good show.
4: But in Egypt, there would... uh, Sorry, and and then I'll stop talking. Uh, But Egypt's where he got real... So to get a bit evil because the campaign wasn't going well so there was weird like one of the like first real bad things he did is they had all these prisoners of war and even for 1799 people were like he did what? And he had them all like a thousand people stabbed at Bayonet on a beach Ooh. and then his own soldiers got the bubonic plague and there's all these paintings of him visiting them and being like this magic kind of Jesus figure and then as soon as he left the hospital he was like poison all of them and he had all his <laughs> own men killed so there was no paper trail to this and the only reason people found out is some of them survived the poisoning and they were like was napoleon really? um so he has like a oh, real bad bloody that. record there and it doesn't work and he doesn't take egypt and he leaves his army there and comes back and was like i nailed it you guys it was awesome and we're all gonna <laughs> do cool egyptian art now and everything that was like really hip to be like walk like an egyptian in, in paris after he came back and it was a total failure So this is so now he's getting a bit cuckoo, and I'm sorry I talked for so long. No, not at all. Are you sure that
3: the stuff in Egypt was a failure? Because I thought I had that it went okay, but maybe I'm wrong.
4: Well, it was. Or it said
3: there was eventual setbacks, so maybe it was a mixed bag. Yeah,
4: like he had some success when it started, but ultimately he did not conquer Egypt, and France never became a colony of Egypt. Never became a colony of France.
3: But he did return back to France like this hero, a symbol of French glory, French revival, and. Um, so he comes back and people are fed up with the Directory, the government there. They're losing influence. People are kind of over it. They're corrupt. So Napoleon comes back to France and he sees this opening. Like He's this powerful military leader. He's popular. He's doing all this stuff and the the government there is not strong and people hate it. So he uh, launched a coup against the Directory in 1798 and this was successful and he ushered in it ushered in Napoleon as the first consul of the French Republic at 29. He was 29 years old, and Damn. he took over France. Um, there were supposed to be other consuls, that, ro- uh, consuls excuse me, that rotated in later, but obviously that never happened. Um, and they, they did have an election to kind of preserve the idea that it was a democracy, <laughs> but his brother rigged it.
4: Yeah, his brother, was, his brother Joseph was a real sketchbag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he basically made himself a myth while he was in Egypt. So by the time he comes back, they're like, This guy's a god, he can't be killed. And then and then after watching the guillotine and the French Revolution happen, he basically sets up a government based on Rome, the most severe form of absolutism ever. And he's <laughs> like, You guys like this? And they're like, We love it.
3: Well It's crazy. Guys, <clears throat> I mean this has been such a banger so far. I think we could stop here. I Uh, I talked for for much. No, you didn't. Are you kidding me? Thank
4: God
2: you're talking. It's probably. No, when
4: hate when women do that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about it later. We'll probably, all three of us will become emperors later.
4: Yeah, I'll learn.
2: No.
3: (laughs) That was amazing, Ev. Incredibly informative. This is amazing. So, um, why don't we stop here as the end of Napoleon Part One, and we'll come back
2: next week with the finale. And uh, while you're waiting for the finale, don't go nuts and. Pull your bone apart.
4: Whoa!
2: Cool, right? Do one
4: on a (laughs) do a Napoleon one. First name.
2: Go find a go find (laughs) Napoleon. Good. On that note. God, that was hard.
3: podcast has been brought to you by the sonar network
0: Sonar. pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's